Welcome to Reading and Ranting, where we read obsessively and rant about life in our 20s. I'm Carly. And I'm Mia. Today is the day Carly has been waiting for. She finally gets to say her piece. So today's the day, the sun is shining, the tank is clean. Just kidding, Carly gets to talk about... Germione. I am so excited, y'all. I have apparently mentioned this in like almost every podcast we've recorded so far. I'm sure you were expecting this. Um, I've read so many Germione fan fictions. Like, I'm up to where Mia is in terms of like TBR and how many books we've read. Except for me, it's been Germione fan fiction, and for her, it's actual books. Today, I get to be shameless about my obsession. And I am manifesting for Mia and I that one day we will be hosting Emma Watson and Tom Felton, who are the real life Hermione and Draco. I also like have a celebrity crush on Tom Felton, which is super random for me because he's not really my type and I'm probably the same height as him, but I just think he's like so cute. I don't know. I'm obsessed. And if I one day get to like pick his brain, that would be the best day ever. So, kicking off with our reading section, if it wasn't obvious, this reading is going to be all about Germione fanfics. So, we'll give some recs and some background and some of our favorites. So, although I haven't been quite obsessive as, as Carly, I had my Germione era, like, years ago, but I'm excited to revisit and pick Carly's mind. Mm-hmm. Yes, and... For context, Germione is lives within the world of fan fiction. So fan fiction is when it's most commonly when people take like canon books, they take canon characters. So for example, Draco Malfoy and Hermione Granger, and they make up these stories about them. So it's like something that obviously did not happen in the actual plot of Harry Potter by J.K. Rowling. Like Hermione Granger and Draco, they were enemies within within the books, but. And I don't even think they had that much FaceTime together either, especially in the movies. But like fan fiction, it just creates these worlds. And I've always been obsessed with fan fiction, like long time Persephath, like Twilight fan fiction, you know it. But I would say Hermione has been a recent discovery of mine. And I will tell you why I am so obsessed to set the scene. I am wearing pajamas and I'm heading to Mia's apartment to record this podcast. In my bag, I have her $80 parking ticket, two things of lube that I found for context I'm moving, so I'm basically just gifting everything to Mia that I don't want to pack. So two things of lube, one is cinnamon roll flavored and one is like a CBD female enhancement lube. And then I have these glasses. So it's like the trifecta, the parking ticket, the lube, the glasses. And I'm on my way to Mia, it's in the elevator of my apartment building. I get stuck with like five guys. Every elevator in my building is broken other than one. I basically looks like I'm not wearing pants, but I don't even care because I am hype to record this episode, guys. I, if I get carried away, Mia will stop me. Oh, I'm not gonna get, I'm not gonna stop you because you're gonna be on a fucking roll. Like, this is like the high of your life. Yeah. No, like, Mia and I are like, we're gonna be jazzed after this. <laughs> literally shaking in our boots yeah so okay Carly first of all tell me because I'm actually curious to like pick your brain why are you so obsessed with the Germione fix like what about it has you in the chokehold yeah it's funny because it's like Draco is such an asshole like we know like he's like they literally call him like foul loathsome evil little cockroach they call him a ferret in the books like he's not a great guy but in the fan fiction, I think I just love a redemption arc. And also, like, who doesn't love the, like, old money aesthetic of him all quaffed up? Like, the ice blonde hair, the white button downs, the slacks. Like, I just imagine him with his, like, white button down, the sleeves rolled up, showing his muscles. Like, it just really speaks to me. And I think I love how it's, like, you know, Draco, he's kind of an asshole. He's not really nice to the majority of people. He has all these, like, thoughts and feelings and it's kind of hard to get his mind to change but then his resolve and like his walls just break down for Hermione and it's like I don't know I think that's so cute and I would say other than that I don't really know why I'm obsessed with Hermione but I think as we're going to talk about later it's kind of just a hyper fixation of mine so it's been hard to once I got in it it's like impossible for me to leave like the, the addiction is real 
Yeah, to give you guys some context about how deep this addiction runs, we're... Let me set the scene again, yeah, because I think scene. this is one of the funniest stories, like, of me knowing Carly, period, ever, of all time. Like, if this doesn't tell you about our friendship, like, nothing yeah, will. This needs to, like, my future boyfriend, husband, whatever, needs to be warned that this is who I am, because they'll have a jump scare if they aren't. Oh my god. So basically, we're on a girls' trip. This is our first time for girls' trip, and it was literally just a road trip to Dallas. We were there, like, less than 24 hours, with mm. the explicit intention of going out and getting smashed and just like having a fun time so it's like 3 a.m i've just eaten a hot dog off the street (laughs) mia ate a hot dog without the bun because she was so drunk that the bun fell off in the uber that our friend elise called and her glizzy was just everywhere she was she was pushing onions out of the car when we left like (laughs) mopping them out (laughs) surprise we didn't get like a throat fee but instead of throat fee it was like glizzy down yes that did happen but in this very same uber so i'm i'm down on the glizzy like elise is yelling at me because she's like pick up your bun it's on the floor it's on the floor of the uber all i can think about is this glizzy and then i turn around carly's face is buried in her phone and i'm like what are you also doing? i'm in the back seat so it's like the both of them in the middle seat I'm in the back by myself, completely by myself, and they both turn around, and I'm just, like, nose deep, like, it's like a dark Uber, it's 3 a.m., and my face is just lit up by my phone. And I go, Carly, like, what are you doing? And she goes, I'm reading my fanfic, I'm reading my fanfic. (laughs) I forgot which, I wish I remembered which one it was, because that was so many fanfics ago, but I just wish I knew, because I remember it was a really good one, and I was just so into it, or, like, drunk me, I was like, I love going out with my friends, but also low-key, I wish I could just stay home and read my fanfic all night because I wanted to finish it, and I couldn't put it down. It was that good. So, yeah. So, if that doesn't explain my obsession, I think I think it does. I think it's, and this speaks for itself. Yes, but. Okay, Carly. We're going to kick <laughs> off with the first fanfic that I read for Jermione. And I think it's a really good place to start. I think some people might have different opinions, but you might have seen it all over TikTok. You might have seen it just in the general like fantasy community. But Manacled by Sen Liu is one of the best fan fictions I've ever read, period. But for some context, it's a dark AU. So Voldemort won. Like, it's basically stemming away from canon so obviously harry potter dies Voldemort beats him in the battle of hogwarts and it's kind of like this handmaid's tale spin on the harry potter universe where because Voldemort won and the death eaters are still ruling all the death eaters get to pick these women to basically be like their handmaids so they still have wives they're married but all these women who were like on the light side, they were in the Order of Phoenix, or maybe they were Muggleborns, like Hermione, they get chosen to like carry the children of the Death Eaters. I think there's also a spin where it's similar to Handmaid's Tale, where because it's like pure bloods are all married to each other within the Death Eater community, it's really hard for pure bloods to have kids. So hence the handmaids. Honestly, <laughs> it's it's pretty dark. Like, I yeah. can't lie. I read this, like, almost a year ago. But hearing Carly talk about it, like, obviously we've geeked out about it. Um, obviously, like, Manacled Draco is dark, but he's sexy. Like, he's one of... This, this version of Draco in this fanfic is, like, one of the sexiest Dracos, I think. Like, if you're going for the dark, the twisted, like, kind of psycho version of Draco, like... This mm-hmm. is this is your fake. This is where everyone should start unless you're really not into like yeah. the darker side. This is a dark Draco, so there's so many fics where there's like a light and fun Draco, which I know Draco Malfoy and Light and Fun doesn't seem like that would go together at all. But it's definitely a darker one. I will say I've read darker, so don't get too scared. Like he definitely has he's dark, but he has like a I'm on the light side as well. But no, I won't give any spoilers. Um, There is a pregnancy trope. I mean, I think you could probably think, like, assume that since it is a Handmaid's Tale spin. But if you're not into the pregnancy tropes, then maybe you should stay away. Um, I will say it's not a huge part of the plot, so it should be bearable. But I just think it's a great way to get into Hermione. 
But if you want something lighter, then my number one suggestion, I think this is like my number one light and fluffy fanfic, is Draco Malfoy and the Mortifying Ideal of Being in Love. It's such a good fanfic. Yeah. Like, literally, it feels like a rom-com, but, like, written fanfic, and the mm. main characters are Draco and Hermione. Yeah, and I think both me and I, like, we've talked about it, we are both giggling, kicking our feet, like, laughing out loud, and I've seen this from a lot of other people reviewing fanfics as well. Everyone says this one, they're actually laughing out loud, and that takes a lot for me to, like, actually laugh out loud. I think even reading... Akatar and most of these books that are like so widely regarded I don't know if they're really trying to be funny but I've never like laughed out loud during any of those scenes I definitely think probably some scenes are trying to be a little funny at least in Akatar. Like, I've like giggled like I've been like oh that's cute yeah like, no but this one like quite literally kicking my feet like cackling yeah cackling and I'm a cackler guys but for more plot context Hermione is a healer. Draco is an Auror who's tasked to protect her. So already, you know, you got like he's an Auror. He wants to protect her. She's a little healer. So she's still in like her intelligent girl era. Left, you know, graduated Hogwarts to do above and beyond. Be very intelligent. Um, And they're also in, in their older 20s or maybe even early 30s. So it's more mature than some of the other fanfics, which take place during Hogwarts years or some are, some of them are like eighth year. So it would be the year like after the Battle of Hogwarts. Um, so I think that helps as well with the rom-com like aspect of it because they're actually like getting into a serious relationship. But it's just so funny to see them like see the timeline of them getting into this relationship. Yeah, it's also a slow burn, which, like, if you know me, like, my tastes lean towards a slow burn. I don't love, like, an insta-love story as much, but it's not quite an enemies to lovers. It's more like a friends to lovers, and it's just, like, cutesy and rom-com and, like, an easy, fun, fluff story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's also a scene with Crookshank, so if you're a Crookshank stan, then... You'll love this fic, fic because Crookshakes is definitely makes a cameo. Um, if you know, you know. Yeah, but there's a scene which people always refer to. It's so funny. Um, no spoilers again, but definitely a highly recommended one. Okay, Carly. So we got to get into one of the next big three, I think, of the Germione fix, and that's the auction. So this is another dark AU where Voldemort won the war, and it's kind of similar to Manacled. So like the women, again, like of the Order of the Phoenix, the side that lost, they're rounded up and like basically sold in an auction to the different pureblood Death Eater families. Um, and so the premise is that at the auction, Draco has always been secretly in love with Hermione, and so he buys her to keep her safe, even though she's, like, the most expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think this one is the most different because there's not a lot of other fan fictions, like, of the popular ones where Draco was always pining after Hermione. Like, I think that's more rare considering most of them it's enemies to lovers, like, Draco and Hermione never even thought about each other romantically, let alone, like, sexually. But I really like how it's, like, the always pining, and then that goes along with, like, the trope of mistrust to trusting, because obviously Hermione's, like, oh my god, how did you always, like, love me? That does not make sense at all, considering you put me through so much shit in school and bullied me. Um, so I think if you want something kind of different in terms of trope, this one is great. Um, also... Virginal Hermione is kind of the center of the plot here. Um, She's just, you know, more innocent, younger, obviously. They're still kind of like post-Battle of Hogwarts, so like 18. Um, And I think if you're kind of into like the, you know, virginal girl, innocent girl, who her first is like the guy who loves her, then this one might be for you as well. You know, sometimes you just gotta live vicariously. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. I have Carly delivering lube to me, so... (laughs) You know, the fanfic yes. is there for, for it all. Yeah, it's there for your, the lube is for your vibrator when you're reading this fanfic. Um, and it's not as dark as gru- or gruesome as Manacled, so even though it's a dark AU, it's still, I like think, more of a lighter read because it focuses more on, like, Draco and Hermione's relationship than, like, the rest of, like, the plot. So I would definitely say the plot here 
isn't as great like as like a manacle which is so thought out like it's the plot is like the center of it even more than the romance but this one is like dark but romance romance centric loves Bika eight as well so the auction is part of her three-part series which includes the right thing to do and all the wrong things so the right thing to do is basically canon harry potter where the order of the phoenix wins harry potter beats Voldemort, and the auction was a possibility but it didn't actually happen because harry won um so it's from hermione's point of point of view and it's basically a Draco redemption arc where she testifies for Malfoy not to go to Azkaban and is working to help his name get cleared. Yeah I love this one because I feel like Hermione and Draco's characters are actually like really well flushed out like they seem really realistic for like how they might be navigating the post-war where Harry and the Order of the Phoenix won because Mm -hmm. Draco has to have like this little redemption arc where he's like overcoming the biases of the wizarding world he's trying to clear his name and like still make a name like for the Malfoy family and so Hermione is part of that and like learns to trust him and like help bring him along into into the fold Yes, and part of that trust is basically learning of this potential auction where Draco was going to use, like, a lot of his trust to buy her, basically. But So that's how these all tie together. And then All the Wrong Things is the companion read to The Right Thing to Do, and it's from Draco's point of view, which I personally love a Draco point of view. I just think it's really interesting to kind of get to see it from his mind, and also, like, I think they're usually pretty funny like even funnier than a Hermione point of view yeah it's like that feeling of like when you're reading a a romanticy or fantasy book and it's been narrated from the female main character and then all of a sudden it switches to the male main character's point of view and you're like oh my god like he's been in love with her this whole time like exactly and also it's like I think if you're writing a male perspective well like they think so differently like Hermione's always such an overthinker in her point of view and Draco is just more like to the point like confused how he fucked up just doesn't know what's going on so I love a Draco point of view I also have no idea what it's like to be inside of a guy's mind so this helps as well I don't think Mia has actually read the next one we're going to talk about but This one is highly recommended if you love a toxic Draco. So not a dark Draco, but a toxic Draco. You're like, this is my toxic ex-boyfriend from high school that now I'm singing Taylor Swift songs in the car, basically about him and getting like, I'm singing driver's license about my toxic ex-boyfriend from like middle school, you know? Like that is Breathmints and Battle Scars by Onyx and Elm. So it's an eighth year fic. I do love an eighth year fic because like they're still young and dumb unlike some of the other ones where they're older and just more mature so there's obviously going to be a lot of toxicity because they're still just young and like assholes. The premise is that Draco and Hermione are both pretty fucked up after the war just like you know having lots of PTSD and feelings and just Hermione is like not over the war and kind of feels like a loner because everyone's just trying to move on from it and she can't really seem to get over it and then Draco is obviously like you know he was a death eater and now like he's kind of an outcast he has to go back to school for the eighth year so they end up connecting over this like fucked upness that they have after the war start secretly fucking so it's like a toxic basically like fuck buddy relationship um and they carry a lot of scars like externally and internally so it does get more romantic but at like it's also so hard to see that when Draco is just being such an ass to Hermione but she like lets him be an ass too he's just so manipulative and emotionally abusive but that like turns Hermione on I mean, did we blame her? Yeah. Just kidding. That's not healthy, but, you know, for our little dark AU yes. <laughs> fanfics, we love a toxic Draco. Yes. And also Hermione's always portrayed as this, like, angel girl. Like, you know, like, she's a prude. She can never step out of line. She would never break the rules. And this Hermione, she, like, wants to break the rules. Like, the war has changed her, and Draco is there, and he's he's like the rule breaker and they're gonna do it together and again no spoilers but 
One of the best scenes is when Ron walks in on them in this astronomy tower. And they continue things even after he sees and leaves. Okay. Again, this is going to be a lot of me just spewing about Germione because I've read so many fanfics and Mia just has not caught up with me. But Let the Dark In by Sen Liu, like we said earlier, she's the author of Manicold, is amazing. It's a work in progress. Um, so if you do need a finished fic, like I know... Mia, you hate reading, like, a work in progress. Like, you need there to be a next book or, like, an ending. Yeah. So. I literally can't deal unless... And because I'm a finisher also. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's why. Because, like, I feel like I need to finish a book even though I'm not liking the series. I've never not finished. Whereas yeah. Carly's a not finisher. So I feel yeah. like you don't mind the work in progress as much because you can, like, come back to it. I'm a quitter. Mama raised a quitter. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, you know what? I say why read something I hate if it's going to torture me, okay? Reading is supposed to be fun, but I digress. Um, So the premise is that Voldemort never gets revived. So it's kind of like a normal schooling. It's one of the... This also is like a popular fan fiction trope where Voldemort just isn't around. It kind of revolves more about just like the school and like the kids. So Draco actually goes to Durmstrang And this takes place during the Goblet of Fire that was fourth year, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so this is fourth year. And Draco, even though he goes to Durmstrang, gets to come to Hogwarts for the Triwizard Tournament. And who becomes Triwizard Champions? None other than Hermione for Hogwarts and Draco for Durmstrang. And even though Voldemort isn't around, like he was battled, or he was beat during the first war, there still is a really bad prejudice against Muggleborns, even more so than canon. Um, it's really bad in the Wizarding World, and Hermione starts finding out these little secret facts about Muggleborns that the Ministry has basically been hiding from the public for years and years and years. Um, and she gets angry. Like, this Hermione and Let the Dark In is angry at the world. Usually I feel like Hermione is like a looking on the bright side, like glass half full type of girl. This one, she's kind of like a little psycho. Like she just has all this anger about how she's treated, even because she's one of the, if not the smartest person in her grade and still gets treated not as well as the others because she's a muggle-born. And Draco is actually kind of the more down-to-earth one who tries to keep her in line and, like, out of danger. So, obviously, you know, they didn't actually grow up with each other. He still has his prejudice against muggle-borns. Durmstrang is also infamously a school that doesn't allow muggle-borns. Um, but they just meet. They kind of, like, beef a little bit. Then they see how much they have in common. So, I think this one is a good one if you think about it. Like, if Draco and Hermione didn't meet until a little, little later on in life how would their relationship change? So highly recommend that one, but... I just had to let you pop off on that (laughs) (laughs) I love this one, honestly. And I follow Sen Liu on Instagram. Highly recommend following her. She reposts a lot of, like, fan art that people make for her fanfic and just general fan art of Germione in general. So... Oh, so Carly's birthday just passed, and I will say, I haven't told you this, we ended up doing, like, a cutesy, like, little birthday gift set, but for half a moment, not for several days, I contemplated ordering, like, a published bound book version of Manacled. I would have loved that. (laughs) Okay, well, now I have an idea for a Christmas present. No, I always love those. I always see them on TikTok. I'm, like, on, like, the bound, um fanfic yeah exactly where they like straight up like publish it like the the cover art like it's all no i will say this like the length of a novel i will say this once and i will say it again but germany fanfics like some of them especially manacled and let the dark in like it's better writing than some of these fantasy books that are like on my tbr like i just think some of these writers are incredible and they deserve to be published but Maybe they will be one day. I mean, Loki, there's a lot of, like, published fanfic out there, like, that was it's originally... Just, it's hard because it's technically fiction. copyright, since, you know, they're taking from an already established, like, canon book. Like, you know, you can't really steal the characters of Draco Malfoy and Hermione Granger because they're patented, pretty much. But I still think this fanfiction is amazing. And then lastly, just to, like 
you know, kind of tie this together and give you a fanfiction recommendation that you might not see as often as some of the other ones, but I recommend Timeless by Alexandra Emerson. If you're in Pride and Prejudice girly like me and I, you're gonna love this one. I want Mia to read this one because I think she'll love it. Some of these fanfics that we've recommended to you are so long, guys. Like, I'm finishing them in a day. Like, a day max. But they're, like, 200,000 plus words. Like, 50 plus chapters. So, you gotta spend a little bit more time. If you're not as obsessive as me, then it might take you a while. But this one, I think, is only around, like, 20 to 30 chapters. Um, so, it's an easy read. And there's a lot of time traveling fics um, where, you know, Drake and Hermione somehow find themselves either back in time or in the future. But this one's definitely one of my faves. Um, Drake and Hermione are basically co-workers and they accidentally trigger a time turner that brings them to the Wizarding World in the 1800s. So it's really interesting because we get a glimpse at some of the pureblood Wizarding families back then. Like you see the Longbottoms, you see the Weasleys. You're basically meeting the ancestors of like the present characters that we know and love in the actual Harry Potter books. So I just thought that was super creative and inventive. And it's definitely more of a rom-com like Draco Malfoy in The Mortifying Ordeal. So their banter is a Lee and they're not enemies because they're co-workers. So they get along, but they're like not anything outside of co-workers. Like they're not really friends. They're just co-workers, but they, they're such workaholics as you would know, because Hermione and Draco are both intelligent people and they work a lot together in the ministry. But I kind of love the like co-workers co-workers to friendships to lovers vibe because it's just like the it's like still kind of forbidding because they're co-workers and they work together but this one's just so good and it definitely made me like get like my like little pride and prejudice fix carly when are we gonna enter our lovers area for co-workers uh, to friendship to lovers you know <laughs> i would say one day but unfortunately we work with only women and mostly gay men so you know, for me at least as a straight woman, that doesn't really work for me. But maybe you can find a girly at work. Maybe. Who knows? Mm. I just want to experience all of these tropes one day. Same girl. Okay, so I'm actually going to pull one over on Carly and talk about a fic that I've read that she has yet to read. God, Mia. Yeah, I've actually added this to my TBR, so it will be done and read shortly. So this is a fucking OG. It's called Turncoat by Eliza Yee. And it is literally one of my favorite fanfics of all time, period. It came out in 2011, or it was published in 2011, and I think it was finished in 2012, because I was reading it in middle school. Like, mm -hmm. I fully probably read this 10 years ago, and I've probably reread it multiple, multiple, multiple times since. I love it so much. Basically, the premise is also that... Um, the Battle of Hogwarts went foul, um, Voldemort didn't die, so it's past the Deathly Hallows, um, the war has basically still been ongoing, and so the Order of the Phoenix is working to still overthrow them, like, there was no final battle, really, like, nobody actually won the war, so it's just ongoing, and Hermione is obviously one of the leaders of the Order of the Phoenix, and super baddie, and so Draco basically gives himself up to the Order and promises to work as a spy, um, like Snape had done, basically, and get close to Voldemort, because Voldemort is literally raising him, like, as his successor, like, as the next Dark Lord. Um, mm, damn. And so he agrees to be a spy for the Order. Was, that's actually a pretty popular trope, where it's, like, Draco kind of gives himself up to the Order of the Phoenix, and, like, either they put him under, in, like, hiding, like, I love one called The Disappearances of Draco Malfoy. It's kind of like a, you know, he gives himself up. But there's a lot, too, where he's, like, a spy. Um, I just read one also. It was called Let the Bells Toll. I'll stop giving my recs because I could stay here all day and give you all my recs, but I do love that trope as well, kind of like Draco as the spy or the assassin. There's some like that as well. Mm -hmm. Love a Draco assassin trope. God, well, Carly, you did you get it all out of your system? Are you pumped? Like, not at all, but I'd have to have a separate podcast just related to Germione, so I'll stop. I'll stop while I'm ahead. Okay, guys, well, if you loved this episode, let Carly know, and maybe we'll consider a part two.
All right, time to get into our favorite part of our podcast. Our rant today is going to be all about our niche interests, like just nerding out and like having a passion or an obsession with something because it really like shows you care about it. So be the weirdo, like don't let other people dull your sparkle. And to make you feel better about your niche interests, we're going to share some of ours. Yes, and as we know, Mia supports me through my Dramini hyperfixation. She does want me to catch up to her because I have blasted through so many Dramini fanfics and really fallen behind on her TBR. Like, Mia has been blasted through her TBR. We are completely... I don't think we'll ever catch up with each other now, but it's fine. She supports me, and she knows that every real book I read, I just get withdrawal symptoms and then I need to go back to reading Jermione. So that is my number one hyperfixation. But Mia, we discussed one of yours a couple weeks ago. I was shocked by it, but it also made sense. Why don't you dive into that? So ever since I was a little kid, Shark Week has been like the most insane obsession. Like honestly, out of nowhere, I think just one year I happened to, well, okay, Actually, I will say, my family was, like, a Discovery Channel family for some reason. Just, Mm -hmm. like, me and my older brother and my dad, like, Sunday morning, we would just be watching the Discovery Channel. Like, we didn't watch Sunday morning cartoons. We watched the Discovery Channel. That sounds like your dad was, like, blazed, and he was like, hey, kids, let's watch the Discovery Channel. No, I so was like, of him. <laughs> literally, like, we were, we're just all, like, so fucking nerdy, but, like, as a kid, it just really stuck with me. So, like, when I tell you, like... As the years went on, I recognized when they reused an episode of a show from the year before. I'd be like, this isn't new fucking content, like Discovery <laughs> Channel. You're like, I'm suing no, for emotionally distressed. I'd be so upset. I'd be like, well, now my whole night of Shark Week, like of my seven nights of Shark Week is ruined. So it was like my favorite thing to watch. I, le- I learned so many facts about sharks. Like I never once read a book about sharks, but Shark Week... Mm -hmm. I could tell you anything and everything, like, Great Whites, like, obviously, like, had my attention, but, like, (laughs) obviously, like, also, like, Tiger Sharks, Bull Sharks, Greenland Sharks, like, I literally, like, I was just so obsessed. I didn't know Greenland Shark was a thing. Hammerheads, like, oh my god. Not the Hammerheads. Yeah, so, I could pop off and, like, tell you all these different facts, but... It's funny because Carly only realized this because we were swimming at Barton Springs the other day, which is like a local um, pool here in Austin, and we were talking about what you felt like we were going to get attacked by a shark, or... I think we were, we ended up in this conversation. Keep in mind, this is like a Friday. We both have the day off work. Like, it's supposed to be a relaxing day. We're relaxing at Barton Springs. And we end up going into this, like, spiral of talking about, like, our biggest fears and, like, the Titanic and, like, just saying all these, like, conspiracy theories. And I think you were talking... I think I said I'm really scared of getting bit by a shark, which is part of the reason why the ocean, like, freaks me out. Because there could be sharks, and I just... No one knows what's, like, at the bottom of the ocean, and that just freaks me out. Yeah, so Carly looks me dead in the eye, like, as we're swimming in the pool, and she goes, that's why I don't go, like, deep in the water. I only go up to, like, my torso, and I go, oh, well, most shark attacks actually happen in less than five feet of water. Like, it's a common misconception. (laughs) And Carly goes, wow, thank you for that. I'm, like, suddenly I'm swimming out of this natural spring, even though there's never going to be a shark here ever. Um, Yeah, that is a really interesting hyperfixation for you, I will say. Mine are kind of more within, like, the food category. Um, so, Mia knows this about me. I don't think you know how much of a hyperfixation it is because I've kind of, like, held myself back in the last couple of years, you know, trying to prevent cavities and such, but lollipops are a huge hyperfixation of mine. Um, I just love, I love having something in my mouth. Um, <laughs> Wow. In the shape of a lollipop? Yeah, in the shape of a lollipop specifically. Some flavor. I I do love the sour apple flavor. So good. But freshman year of college, my roommate, we were both obsessed with lollipops. Like, literally would go... My apartment was right across from a shell. So we'd go to, like, the little store in the Shell gas station. Like, the guys knew us. And if we didn't get a lollipop, they go, No lollies today? Like... Actually, they knew how obsessed we are, but she ended up buying a bag on Amazon and accidentally ordered 300 lollipops. Um, I guess I don't know 
why she thought it would be smaller because it also was like a $20 bag of lollipops, which like looking back, yeah, that's why it was $20 because it was 300 lollipops. But we were like, oh, this will last us the entire year. We finished it in like a month. I think I was totaling like four lollipops a day. And I was like, that was probably the height of my hyperfixation, but... We did have a recent lollipop incident in the Hamptons when we did our second girls trip. We were smashed. And we, it yeah. was our first night there, to be yes. fair. Yes. We were letting loose. Um, I had just lost a limbo competition yes. and wiped out on the floor. So we're taking our little sorry butts over to the women's restroom, trying to ditch some guys. You know how it is. We're like classic line. Oh, we're going to go to the bathroom. Um, and so there's a bathroom attendant, like, the, you know, the ladies that sit there and they have all the various different things that you can need and, like, they'll have their Venmo app or whatever. So Carly walks up and picks out two lollipops from the cart, looks the lady dead in the eyes with, like, eyes half closed, like, lights on, no at home, and she goes, two lollies, please? And then the woman is like, yeah, okay. And Carly goes, I'll Venmo you. And sends her $5 with the yeah. caption, lollies. two lollies. Yeah. lollies. No, it literally just lollies. And also, I... The way I vended her $5, like, that would have been, like, a dollar maximum if I went to CVS. And I vended her $5. Like, I was paying Hamptons prices for these lollipops. But I will say that's better than Mia. Drunk me thought Mia Venmoed this woman $10 for a pack of gum at the least. Again, Hamptons prices. This girl Venmoed the attendant $10 for one piece of gum it wasn't even a big piece of gum either like a good quality like five it was like the small like crunchy oh it was like a chiclet (laughs) no it was a chiclet mia it wasn't even like a a wrapped piece no oh my god and the way that like you had gum in your purse yes i had so much gum this is what, what we're saying after our last episode with our financial rant we be acting like millionaires venmoing the attendant $10 for one fucking piece of gum. Yeah, so Carly had her lollies and I I had my my singular piece of gum. And keep in mind, you guys couldn't see it, but when I said two lollies, I I held up two fingers. So it was like a peace sign. I was like, two lollies, please. And she just goes, yeah, you're good. Pretty much in those exact that exact tone. Yes. But the lollipops came in handy because then when we were roundhousing the Grey Goose in the Uber, yes. we used the lollipops to Lolly- chase well, the Well, you vodka. were roundhousing the Grey Goose. The rest of us were pretending to roundhouse the Grey Goose. Great. Thank yes. you for that reminder. Yes. This is a story for another time, y'all. Um, another hyperfixation that I've had, and I've still had it because me and my ex-boyfriend did dress up as Shark Boy and Lava Girl for Halloween two years ago. But I was obsessed with that movie, guys. Like, I don't know what it was. Like, I wanted to be Lava Girl so bad. I loved Taylor Lautner as Shark Boy. And I had the DVD that came with the 3D glasses. Because if you guys remember that movie, like, you would take on and on the on and off the glasses when there'd be like 3d scenes and the glasses it was like the ones in the movie where like there's the girl ones that are like pink and they're like lava girl themed and then there's the shark male ones so i would make my dad watch it with me like i remember my parents had a a little like chair in their um in their bedroom next to the bed and like it faced the tv and i would sit there day and day in and day out watching this movie over and over again, and I would make my dad put on the Shark Boy glasses so we could watch it together. Like, I was obsessed with that movie. Honestly, that's, like, a great niche childhood movie that I don't think people talk enough about. Like, no, it, it, it just has... It has such good energy. Like, when I was a kid, I loved it. Oh, yeah. Don't you remember? Close your eyes, shut your mouth, dream, dream a dream, dream and turn you out. Dream, 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 dream. Dude, that was a banger. Was a banger. When Taylor Lautner's, like, doing, like, 360 flips like god do a flip (laughs) i loved that movie (laughs) oh my god okay well kind of like in a similar vein i have a really big hyper fixation with true crimes like any true crime podcast true crime documentaries like when i was in middle school i watched buzzfeed unsolved the youtube channel with Uh, buzzfeed (laughs) videos were good 
Those were good. <laughs> they were so good. Like, the way that they produced this, like, like a TV show. It was the funniest thing ever. Um, about, and so About murder? About anything. So they had, oh. like, a supernatural season. They had murders. They had, like, poisonings. They had, like, old cold cases. They had recent ones. Like, I mean, I would go on spirals and then go up and look, like, a bunch of other YouTube videos up. So the one that I had a very, very niche hyperfixation on was The Hikers of Dietlov Pass. So it's this old true crime story. I can't even remember the exact, like, timeline, but I think, like, the 1920s, 1930s, this group of very experienced mountain climbers are, they're Russian mountain climbers, and they're out in the middle of Siberia, and basically it's this insane story where they all show up dead, but they all have insanely weird causes of death. And they're, to this day, we don't know what happened. Like the, the I, I've heard about this. Yeah, so the fourth and final theory is aliens. The most likely is like well, some weird avalanche. Now and, we know that aliens are real. Yeah, <laughs> the government really said, yeah. I like don't Here's know the aliens. how I feel about that, honestly. Today, on this note, not to interrupt, but I was going through a spiral a hyperfixation spiral on TikTok and the internet trying to find out more about this alien thing and see, like, are they actually real? Because I'm confused. But I kind of stopped myself because I was like, I don't have time to have another hyperfixation, Carly. I love that. Sometimes yeah. you just have to be self-aware. Yeah, sometimes you just have to pull back. You're like, whoa, let's pull the reins here. Oh, yeah, so true crime, like, in any font, like, any story documentaries like some of the fucked up ones like have definitely stuck with me like Ugh. I've consumed a lot of true crime content yeah so now living alone actually like Ugh. sometimes I'll go through like the insane like scenarios in my mind and like I'll freak myself out and yeah, then don't I literally tell me. yeah I yeah. have no stomach for true crime guys like I feel like I have a really high pain tolerance like in terms of like pain but I have no pain tolerance for like hearing about pain or like like, it's fun. I can do a Game of Thrones, like, gore scene, but I hate hearing about murders. I hate jump scares. And, like, I also hate zombies. I know that's a little different. <laughs> but I just have no stomach for, like, zombies, like, eating brains and organs and, like, hearing about, like, a gross, like, murder where they were, like, really, like, graphic. I, I don't know. I just can't do it, guys. That's fine. Yeah. No, it's but... probably better. Yeah. Mia's the hyperfix. I also live alone, so I, I try not to think about that. Me, like, looking in the dark corner of my room when I'm, like, about to go to bed being like, who goes there? And it's literally just, like, nothing. Yeah. And then, you know, we're just shooting the shit, talking about more of our hyperfixations. I love, like, anything like a hummus and peanut butter. Those are two of my favorite foods, I would say. I think hummus I eat hummus pretty much every day and it's one of my favorite foods like I love going to Mediterranean spots and getting like a hummus and pita so good but I'm obsessed with hummus like if you know me I'm going to be having hummus with like almost every meal other than breakfast of course um unless it's like a shikshika then maybe I'll have some hummus but I love hummus and peanut butter I told Mia that I had a really bad peanut butter hyperfixation during quarantine like what else was there to do and, like, as a snack, I would just have, like, spoonfuls of peanut butter. Like, I finished jars within two days. And I gained, like, 10 pounds and then quickly stopped buying peanut butter. Because even now, if I buy a jar of peanut butter, that shit's going to be gone in, like, three days max. So. Which is funny because, like, I'm not a huge peanut butter person. Mm. I much prefer a Nutella. Like, mm -mm, since I've, like, sweet. gotten back into it. Yeah, but I'm, like, a sweets person. Yeah. I can only do savory if it's, like... This sounds so fucking, like, I don't know, like, cheese and, like, charcuterie mm -hmm. and, like, prosciutto. Like, I love savory and salty like that. Or, like, potato chips. Like, love my jalapeno kettle-cooked potato chips. But if I'm doing sweets, like, I do sweets. Like, I have the worst but peanut butter is, it's, like, sweet. I, lo I love, like, a natural peanut butter. Like, don't give me that Jif or Skippy shit. Mm -hmm. I don't want mm -hmm. palm oil in there, guys. Give me the organic, like, just peanuts, like... Some salt added, maybe not even salt added, and I think it tastes amazing. Clearly, my palate is just more refined than yours. So I actually had a hyperfixation on peanuts, like not <laughs> peanut butter, but as a kid, we would go to this restaurant. I don't know if this is just like a Texas thing, but we would go to this barbecue restaurant, and while we were waiting, you could you got a bucket of peanuts, 
just like a whole yeah, bucket. Like a like one of those like the like, like a the tin elephant can. peanuts. Yeah. 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 And so then we would sit there and we'd like crack them open with our teeth and peel them and then eat a handful of peanuts and like that mm-hmm. was like our favorite restaurant to go to. Yeah. That gives me that gives me southern vibes. I was gonna say I always thought, you know, in cartoons when they feed the elephants like the peanuts and then there's like the actual like candy that are shaped like them, I always thought they'd be really good and they're disgusting. So that was really disappointing for me. <laughs> That is so sad for you. I'm so sorry. Yeah. But if we're... Okay, if we're talking sweets, I do have, like, a very specific niche hyperfixation on my ice cream. The only ice cream I will eat is by the brand Bluebell, which is, like, a local Texas brand. So, like, you can only get it in Texas, really. Like, I've been to the creamery. I've gotten the free ice cream. I've done the tour. Like, it's a thing. Bluebell ice cream. Mm -hmm. And it's a flavor called Millennium Crunch. And so, literally, like, at all times, my family has, like, the gallon tub of Millennium Crunch. And now I have, like, a little pint in my apartment. So, some things just, like, really stick with you. Like, the niche hyperfixations from childhood. When you move to New York, you'll have to get over that. But you can make up for it by going to Cafe Panna. Shout our New York listeners who have been to Cafe Panna, quite literally the best ice cream I've ever, ever had in my entire life. But I will, I will introduce you when you trade the South for the Northeast. Okay, we'll get there one day. Mm-hmm. Okay, lastly, guys, one of my strange hyperfixations, and I think Mia has kind of like one on the same wavelength, was during high school. I was obsessed with the strawberry, like lemonade. Svetka. Like, that's all I drink. I loved pouring that shit into, like, a sparkling ice bottle, mixing it with the lemonade flavor sparkling ice, and I would pour, like, eight shots. I was drinking heavy in high school, and I, like, loved it. I think I probably went through, like, four bottles just myself, because I would go to the store and buy a bottle so that I could, like, bring it to parties, like, in, like, a little, like, water bottle or something. Went through so many of those. And my mom, when I went to college, ended up finding them all, like, stashed in the back of my closet, like, empty, because I wouldn't throw them out in the trash because I didn't want her to see it. Oh, yeah. So... My unfortunate first drink of choice was also vodka. It was Deep Eddy vodka and specifically the Deep Eddy lemon. So, oh, like literally like I'm, I'm my gag reflex like is hitting because I cannot even stand to think about this drink anymore. The amount of bottles, like handles, like I would buy mm-hmm. a handle. No, exactly. Like, the the handle. Fl- yeah. And go through that. Like it's so bad. So bad. So that was mine. The, the Deep Eddie. It's funny because, like, in New York, I'm sure they sell Deep Eddie in New York, but growing up in New York, we definitely were not drinking Deep Eddie. The first time I got drunk, guys, was off of Jack Daniels. So I was starting on a weird note. That's like, so terrible. Yeah, a weird, weird note. This is why I can only drink tequila. Only hot girls drink tequila, so. And mezcal. Facts. And gin. Actually, the first time I got drunk was off of gin from a mason jar that we stole from my friend's mm, dad's pantry. A little moonshine situation. Yeah, it was kind of concerning. Maybe, guys, tell us if you want me and I to rant about some of our, like, funny high school, like, being young drinking stories and maybe our favorite cocktails as well. I do love a cocktail. Yeah, like, what we went from drinking from high school and then yeah, what, like, our now. refined palate is now. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, I'm like, I will not take a tequila soda, like, over my dead body. Meanwhile, was, like, bodying like fireball like from the bottle in like 2016 okay carly i feel like you already know what i'm gonna say here but my last hyperfixation lately as a reader as a book dragon who loves collecting physical books is my bookshelf so the amount of time that i spend curating my bookshelf you guys like since i've moved in it has been my favorite piece of furniture. I love it so, so, so much. So every time I go out and I buy a new book, I'm rearranging the entire bookshelf based on how is it going to fit? And like, do I stack horizontally? Do I stack vertically? And like, are the spines going to align? Do I do it? Like, they obviously have to be by author. I don't know how people do it by color, but I do it like by author and then by color. And then like, is the size the right size? And then is it the same genre? So like all my fantasy ones need to be together, but like my SJM books have a place of honor at the top. So like I can't move it from there. And then my crystals like, (laughs) and my tarot cards are out there. There's too much. There's too much. There's a lot going on. And so I very much so hyper fixate on getting it perfect. And so like once I have it, I'll have it for like a good like week or so. And then I'll obviously end up buying a new book. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And then I have to fix it again. I will say every time I walk into Mia's apartment, this fucking bookshelf looks different. I'm like, this is what you're doing during the workday, sweetie. This is why you're like, you're sitting, twiddling your thumbs, like literally reorganizing your, your bookshelf. You're like in the back of client calls being like, give me one minute. I'm trying to figure out where Throne of Glass fits next to Crescent City. No, fully. I have <laughs> to have like my team's background camera blurred because mm-hmm. my background is my bookshelf. I feel like that would actually be really aesthetic background. Not gonna lie. Yeah, but when it's like just the fairy porn, like yeah. I'm like, mm. they're like, which I love. Are like work clients are like, what books are back there? And you're like, oh, they like immediately look up Akatar and they just see what it's about. And you're like, ah. yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> like my go-to fun fact at work is like, oh, like I'm, I'm a, a reader. big reader. Like I've read 53 <laughs> books this year so far, and like clients and like my coworkers would be like that's amazing like what do you like to read and I have to do the classic run around of yeah. oh you know just fiction <laughs> classics like we gotta pretend we're fantasy like, I read anything you gotta pretend you're consultants and just like say what they're saying back to you they're like what are your favorite books I'm like what are my favorite books books are just so great and I love reading like exactly yeah so sometimes you just have to share your niche interests but the best feeling is when you get to geek out about your same niche interests and just like finding out that your friends have things in common. So a few of the ones that Carly and I bonded over really quickly were like Game of Thrones and Star Wars and dad rock music, Marvel, period drama. So like just finding out those like little niche things about your friends are so fun. So besties your homework is to go ask your friends like tell me one new thing about you that like is a passion or like an obsession like the other day our coworker was telling us like oh these are my niche interests and he just straight up had mangoes listed <laughs> and like I love that for him yes no niche interest is too niche guys period <laughs> On the next episode of Reading and Ranting, we'll be getting spicy and talking about our favorite sex scenes and ranting about some horrible hookups. But we're always looking for book recs. So if you have a suggestion, shoot us a DM on TikTok at Reading and Ranting Pod or email readingandrantingpod at gmail.com. Happy reading. Until next time, besties. Bye.